Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... Yes. yes. I will take the book now. What, what book? book? You have the diary in your pocket. <laughs> you don't. Do you think my son would be that stupid that he would bring my diary all the way back here? <laughs> you didn't, did you? You didn't bring it, did you? Well, uh... you did. Look, can we discuss this later? I should have mailed it to the Marx brothers. Will you take it easy? Take it easy? Why do you think I sent it home in the first place so it wouldn't fall into their hands? I came here to save you. Oh, yeah? And who's going to come to save you, Junior? I told you. Don't call me Junior. If you're listening to this podcast, then you chose poorly. Uh, no, you, you chose wisely, uh, because today we're talking about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, or perhaps as it's more correctly titled, Indiana Jones and the Third to Last Crusade, because we are just on the precipice of the release of Dial of Destiny, the fifth and probably final film in the franchise. But today uh, we are, we're going back to the third entry. It's uh, probably my favorite of the uh the pentilogy, I guess you would call it. But today we are doing it, uh, I'm, I'm not doing it alone, we're having a little bit of a, a reunion, just like Henry Jones and his father. Uh, so to join me today, my uh, my old buddy, my, one of my best friends and my co-host from the other show, a podcast, But Evil, please welcome Dan Oster. Hi everybody, it's good to be back. Just like old times, eh friend? <laughs> just like old times. Yeah. So... Dan, I I, uh, I invited you on to talk about Last Crusade because you're always kind of talking about Last Crusade, and I know this movie looms large for you. Uh, you want to talk about why? Um, sure. Yeah, why? That's because it's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, when you say I'm always watching it, I'm like, like it's like the Incredible Hulk, right? Yeah, that's my secret. I'm always watching the Last Crusade. Um, I am sort of always playing it in my mind. Uh, Mary, my girlfriend, uh, we have. Uh, a running joke in the house you know some people have a swear jar she wants to have a last crusade quote jar i mean it's it's come up enough and i sort of feel like we're getting into like deep cut quotes you know what i mean like i, I get the last thing at first like we're not, not even memorable ones you know not uh you know the pen is mightier than the sword or any of that stuff going real real deep but um yeah last crusade well it came out you know in 89 um uh, i wasn't born yet no uh, i was uh i was eight uh, so I was definitely the right age uh, to be all about it. And um, yeah, uh, it, it has that great mix of, an, you know, a hero that everyone can get behind, amazing action sequences, father-son dynamics, which a lot of men are just suckers for, including myself, and just enough creepiness, just enough like, oh, that's also kind of scarring <laughs> imagery, <laughs> You know, just enough, just enough. Not so much that you're afraid to put, we're not talking about like dark crystal shit here, you know, just enough that you're like, oh, I'd be excited to see that part again. So I feel like those are kind of the reasons that, you know, it stuck with me and what kid didn't want to be Indiana Jones. 
Do you have any like vivid memories of maybe the first time you saw it or, or your love for the franchise before uh, last Crusade? Um, well, I do remember, you know, needing to get back and seeing it uh, after the first time because I absolutely turned away when the bad guy drank from the wrong grail, uh, Donovan there. I totally covered my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a while before I think I got around to actually seeing that part. Um so that's a memory I have distinctly seen it in theaters. And in terms of the stuff before, that's a good question because I know VHS was happening. It was, it was happening, baby. Uh, and so we, I'm sure we owned the other two. The one VHS memory I have about Indiana Jones was, and I think I was bringing this up with you recently, just this weird promotional campaign that happened, I think for the young Indiana Jones Chronicles where McDonald's, you could go to McDonald's and get like a burger and some VHS tapes of Indiana Jones. And they were like five bucks, which was a pretty good deal. Uh, even, you know, back in that pre-depression uh, economy era. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I remember having those for sure. And every time you put the movie on, you had to watch this extended ad. We I could have fast forwarded, but for the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. So I remember that. I remember um, that Temple of Doom, uh, while... The best thing that could have happened in Temple of Doom, of course, was Crystal Skull, because <laughs> now it looks a lot better. Uh, definitely, you know, a lesser entry, but it did give a short round, so it's hard. It, we, Oscar winner, short round. Uh, K.B. Right. Kwan, right? And um, so that's pretty awesome. The uh, other thing about Temple of Doom that you have to know is it's a kick-ass arcade game. For some reason, they okay. never did like a Raiders of the Lost Ark arcade game or a Last Crusade arcade game. But, you know, in like 84, 85, they put out uh, a Temple of Doom arcade game and you just can like whip these guys constantly. They like get back up and you whip them. It's like, it's so great. And it's got it does also have a, a distinct score that John Williams did. Isn't it like Parade of the Slaves or something like that? I think is the name of the track. And it's distinct to Temple of Doom. And it's that one that goes da 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 and it's only Temple of Doom and it's a I mean I literally put it on for Mary while we were driving at one point and I was like this is this is just great it just tells you everything you need to know about the movie so and then of course Raiders is Raiders is Raiders I mean it's great it's a close it's a close second I think to Last Crusade and I feel like you and I are in good company there because I believe Harrison Ford Steven Spielberg and George Lucas all site last crusade is their favorite um it's close second obviously started everything gave you marion who's you know amazing and obviously like the the indie girl <laughs> that everyone you know <laughs> the right one the correct one and um and it's you know it's such a great uh example of 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 what they were trying to do which was you know take these serials and, and then apply it into like a studio format so it's like a 10-act movie you know it, it has just these amazing cliffhangers over and over and over again, which you just don't really see. I just, I don't know many, many people have really successfully replicated that. So, I mean, that's kind of my feeling about Raiders and Temple of Doom, you know, as long as you're here. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, my, my memories of, of Indiana Jones uh, before last crusade, I definitely saw both of them before. And the, the, the one like uh, strong childhood memory I have of Indiana Jones was I remember there was a day in second grade where I was just sort of humming the the, the theme to myself, the, the classic, what's it, the Raiders March, it's called, but that's Indiana Jones's theme. And I think I hummed it to myself 
not in class and then the entire walk home from school just singing this theme song because I just was so into the character. I do remember that arcade game that now that you mention it, I'd forgotten about it, but it was it was it rad. was hard too. Yeah, very. Um, but Last Crusade was special because that was the first one I got to see in the theaters as well. And I remember it being a big deal that, oh, my gosh, there's this new Indiana Jones oh, yeah. movie. And, you know, this was leading into the summer of 89, which was just, you know, a, you know, a series of incredible movies, one after the other. But I can remember the theater I went to see it in. I remember going with my dad and I remember being just absolutely bowled over by, like you said, how amazing the movie is, the the themes of it, this incredible series of just set pieces mm-hmm. that the movie is sort of stitched between. It's it's an incredible just roller coaster ride of a movie. It's like kind of like what if we did the this is the best Indiana Jones you could do, kind of firing on all cylinders, doing all of the different things that Indiana Jones does. Um, like there's nods to both of the earlier films in this one. And um, yeah, there's just so much. I mean, we'll get into all of the little details of the movie, but those are my like my nostalgic memories of it. Um, just yeah, seeing seeing it in the theater for the first time and just going, holy shit, you know. I, I liked the Spielberg guy before, but look at this. I got a couple of other memories that are hitting me, and this is probably not going to be the last time it happens during this podcast. I remember, uh, and I feel like this was pre-Last Crusade, but it could have been after. I mean, it sounds so youthful to be doing this. I went into into town, you know, into, you know, I'm, I'm from the... I'm from Pacific Palisades, which is, is exactly what it sounds like. It's sort of a, a nice little area near Malibu. Uh, but we went. I went into town... And uh, as a kid, and I was wearing, you know, everyone's dad had a hat that it was close enough, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I had that on. Uh, I think just like an undershirt, you know. Uh, it was rocking like a Temple of Doom kind of look, you know, stripped down indie look. And then I had this rubber snake that I used as a whip, and so I was just standing there on a street corner wearing this hat, repeatedly like whipping a uh, like a light post, like wrapping it around it or whatever, and just. Just enjoying myself, you know, just in my own world. And some fucking teenagers drove by and like laughed at me, and I it permanently scarred me. Small T trauma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was never the same. Uh, you know, it, yeah, that memory of seeing it was so strong that I I think uh, it, it was one of the reasons I felt so let down by Crystal Skull. Not only because it was a bad movie, but because it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get to replicate this feeling I had as a child of going to see a new Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. And just being like, ugh, you know, through, through the whole ordeal. Um, so I'm keep my fingers crossed for for dial. Well, it's interesting because the two times in this uh, series that they've tried to do something like different uh it was not well received. I mean, I mean, Temple of Doom was received well enough, but it was also pretty different. You know what I mean? Like tonally, it's kind of strange. It's a, it's goofier. It's grosser. It's more racist. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they try to do these different things, and it's it's an outlier. It is an outlier. It feels a little off. The the Harrison Ford gets away with it okay because they actually save a lot of the goofy shit for uh, Kate Capshaw and and, and uh, Kehui Kwan to do. Like they're kind of you know the Abbott and Costello of it or something. Um, there's a little bit of goofy stuff with Indy, but he, he kind of, they do kind of keep him out of it a bit. And then, of course, Crystal Skull, which I just felt like it would. I mean, yeah, you shouldn't have done a sequel. I mean, The Last Crusade ends perfectly. It's it. You should just stop there and never touch it ever again. I 
but whatever. Uh, and then with Crystal Skull, they couldn't even make it look the same, you know? That they, I think the goal was to have some kind of Technicolor palette, but it doesn't look like that. It looks very digital. It looks very, you know what I mean? It doesn't have that uh, filmic, lived-in palette of the other ones, which, when you look at them, are a big part of it. Well, it looks... Well, you know what it is, is that the Crystal Skull is more of a piece with things like Tomb Raider and uh, like Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, which is let's make one of these Saturday morning cereals. And it's like you did all of the Saturday morning cereals thing, but you don't have the soul, right, that that Indiana Jones does. That's the missing ingredient yeah. that makes uh, Raiders and Last Crusade work. Sort of looking at the production side of it, I, I was shocked to kind of learn that Spielberg had come off of the possibility of doing two very major movies to do this one. And he kind of just did it as a solid because he's friends with George Lucas. Yeah, I do believe George Lucas had been pestering him about this idea of like aliens. And I feel he finally just wore him down. Oh, I was talking about Last Crusade. Actually, Oh, Last, he, oh, Last Crusade. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So he so there were two movies that Spielberg was in like late stage talks to direct both of which went on to be major movies. One is Big, and the other is Rain Man. And he turned down both of those projects to do George Lucas a solid. And you talk about how, like, you know, Crystal Skull ain't great. That's nothing compared to what Last Crusade could have been. If you look through all of these synopses, I do know one of I do know one of them was a haunted house movie. That was one. <laughs> they wanted to do Indiana Jones versus Ghosts in a haunted Scottish castle. Yeah, that was one. Uh, there were a bunch of versions of it that involved Indiana Jones going to Africa to search for the Fountain of Youth. And mm-hmm. there was like several drafts that were called literally called Indiana Jones and the Monkey King. Oh, yeah. And every single one of them, like all of these different possibilities sound a thousand times worse than Crystal Skull. Well, you know, but it's funny. The Crystal Skull scripts have the opposite problem, right? Which is that you can go online and I think uh, there's a Frank Darabont script, uh, Indiana Jones in the City of the Gods, I think it's called, which was one of the one of the scripts that was used. And there's actually a couple of elements, like all the worst elements of it made it into the movie, you know, because I, I, George Lucas also was famously trying to get this nuked fridge thing into every draft of every of every script that anyone wrote. It was like, you've got to have a nuclear bomb go off and he hides from it in a refrigerator. But um you can find it online, uh, Indiana Jones and the City of the Gods, and I did read it, and I, like, I don't know, I mean, it's not as good probably as Last Crusade or anything, but it it was a lot better than what we got, and it just, it did have some poignancy to it, so it's worth worth, worth checking out. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit about the the movie itself. I thought for today, you know, we don't always do the, the movies kind of in, in cron order, um, sometimes we just sort of talk about the individual elements as they come, but I think this movie kind of fits a more traditional podcasty structure. So this movie opens really interestingly with this uh, cold open, starring River Phoenix as young Indiana Jones. And uh, what- by the way, do you need to define a cold open for your audience? Because I want to say that uh, Indiana Jones movies kind of that's part of it. If you do an Indiana Jones movie, you do it with a cold open. Right. So a cold open is basically a, a introductory scene or set of scenes 
that is not necessarily, that is, uh, you know, it's a, an action set piece. It's exciting. And it's not necessarily tied directly into the main plot. It's just a way to sort of get you excited for these characters. Like the, the most famous one, and I'm sure he'll come up in a minute is James Bond. Uh, James Bond always does one of these followed by a musical sequence. Right. And of course, you know, we'll obviously get there, but Indiana Jones owes a big debt to James Bond. So yeah, those are kind of the two movies you always think of or the two movie series that have a cold open in the beginning. Well, as long as you're there, we should talk about this. So yeah, Indiana Jones was conceived by George Lucas as a way, like what would an American James Bond movie be like? And of course, Indy's not a secret agent. He is a globetrotting archaeologist, but there's a lot of James Bond DNA in the franchise. So I love that they got James Bond himself to be Indiana Jones's father. The symmetry of that is perfect. Right. And that was exactly what they were thinking. And they were like, uh, yeah, who who better to be the father father of uh, of Indiana Jones? Right. So what do you think of this this particular cold open? Because it's, it's very different from any of the others. Yeah, it is. That's a good question. I, I How do I feel about it? I think if you were going to go stack up the cold opens against each other. Uh, this would be my second favorite <laughs> again, Temple of Doom. I mean, it's got such a weird one, you know, in the nightclub in Hong Kong. But of course, Raiders has the boulder, which is like basically a permanent part of the zeitgeist, you know, running from the boulder. So uh, this cold open is interesting. It's it's River Phoenix, yeah, playing a young Indiana Jones. Uh, we get to see what the Boy Scouts were like, you know, in like the 20s or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I like it okay. I, I'm not in love with it. It's it's It definitely stands out from the rest of the movie. You know, there's like a circus, circus train and, you know, we find out why he's afraid of snakes. You know, it's a little it's a little silly. Oh, how he got his hat. I mean, it's a very eventful day for him when you really think about it. Yeah, his entire persona is established <laughs> in this one yeah. you yeah. know, misadventure. Right. What if he fell into like a vat of squirrels? I mean, would that change? You know, so I definitely uh, it's a little it's a little goofy. I like it. I mean, River Phoenix is a great choice to play a young uh, Harrison Ford. He actually does kind of look like him. And, uh, you know, I do think it picks up pretty quickly when then you do do this awesome uh, smash cut to, you know, current time and he's on the boat. And you get you get another sense of just like ah, just another one of his insane adventures. How did he end up on this boat? You know, with these gangsters in the rain. Um, that's pretty cool. This is this cold open to me. I, I think you're right. I think the Raiders one is tough to beat. But one thing it does do is it, I think it fits better than the Temple of Doom and certainly the Crystal Skull cold opens because it tells you something about Indiana Jones's character and. The main thing that you get out of, I think the Raiders opening does this well, as, as but this one also, which is that his treasure hunting is sort of unselfish, right? It's, you know, this is the classic line that belongs in a museum, right? Well, it's funny because that is a Last Crusade line, but it's one of those ones that then like gets applied to the character kind of people, yeah, associate that he's got this insane fixation for getting things into museums which is actually kind of in if you think about it now there's a little bit of like a colonialist uh uh vibe there <laughs> you know these artifacts that are need to belong in a white man's museum <laughs> yeah the thing he steals in raiders like those tribesmen are using that they care about it <laughs> yeah. Right? They, yeah yeah so it's funny it's a, little, it's a little bit dated so yeah it's unselfish but also kind of strange and then you know i, I don't know i'm turning this into a temple of doom podcast i'm sorry well this is the last time i'll bring it up but it's sort of interesting because temple of doom is technically a prequel right so it takes place i believe in 37 to raiders 38 is that correct 
I think it's 35 and 37, but whatever. Okay. And then, and then, um, last crusade is what? 39, 39 or eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah. How embarrassing that I don't know what right off the top of my head. Anyway, regardless, temple of doom, it's supposed to take place a year or two before Raiders. And so, like, you can see, like, they're trying to – why do that other than to kind of make him a little rougher around the edges? So what he's talking about in, you know, Temple of Doom is fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory, you know? Like, it's not – it's not uh, – it belongs in a museum, you know? He hasn't – he has to have the experience with the uh, Indian villagers to to teach him humility, you know? Right. I, I see that. The – the, I'll mention one other Temple of Doom thing before we move on, which is that I think the gangster that wants that cross, the cross of Coronado, is dressed exactly like Indiana Jones. Oh, no, in absolutely. Beginning. He is. Yeah. Yeah. With the white jacket and the red flower. In his yeah. Hotel. Yeah. He's he's basically designed his entire look after this one guy. Uh, that he you know saw for a second. Interestingly, though, now that I'm saying it, it is kind of interesting that young Indy in that is saying it belongs in a museum. But then at some point in his life, he's kind of less doing that. You know, he's more like mm-hmm. dealing with gangsters and doing kind of shady deals. You know what I mean? And then right. uh, uh, the diamond, you know, one of this diamond in, in, in Temple of Doom. So it's kind of interesting. But as a kid, he's like he's doing the whole it belongs in a museum shtick. So I don't know. Maybe at some point in his, uh, as he got older, he kind of. Needed to re reconnect with that. Right. And we get our first glimpse of Henry Jones Sr. Kind of out of frame, mostly. You, you can kind of just sort of see his, like, shoulders. Dad! Oh. It's important. Then wait. Come to 20. No, Dad, you listen Junior! One, two, three, four. In Greek. Ena, theo, thea. <laughs> May he who illuminated this illuminate me. As he's reading this illuminated text and and Mm -hmm. he is in the middle of his research on the grail. May he who has illuminated this illuminate me. Is that what he says? I think that's what he says when he's uh, he's doing some translation or something. You know, he's doing the the uh, he's filling out the famous Grail diary, which uh, I did when eBay was relatively new. Purchase a uh, a reproduction of uh, at some point that I did carry around with me for a while. <laughs> well, surprise, surprise! I have one in the trunk of my car right oh, now. Oh, perfect. perfect! Of course, yeah. yeah. Yep. So I do have a duplicate two cool uh, dudes. <laughs> Two cool dudes that somehow managed to find mates. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so that's our cold open. But it establishes that kind of frigid relationship between Indy and his father. Uh, and we see Indy, of course, the real Indy, the dog. Which, ah, yes. Uh, that you is, are uh, named I, after the dog. That that one gets brought up around here a lot. Yeah, and that's a, that's a Lucasism as well, because I believe he named the character of Indiana Jones after his own dog. Ah, well, there you go. So... Yeah. And yeah, like you said, we smash cut to this scene on the boat, which kind of concludes the the cross of Coronado story. And we get back to something we really missed. I missed in Temple of Doom, which is seeing Indy uh, in his, um, you know, Clark Kent, the Clark Kent version of Indiana Jones in as a teacher. Right. And this is where the uh, the girl is written. I love you on the uh, on her eyelids. No, that's Raiders. That is Raiders. Oh, OK. OK. But we get uh, the same thing like he's you know, trying to teach this class and he tells them X never marks the spot. Oh, that's he, it. That's yeah. yes, of course. 
And then Marcus Brody comes in to talk to him. Yes, the great Denholm Elliott. Yeah, I love that he get well. He gets so much more to do in this movie. He's barely in Raiders. I know that's actually kind of interesting that he's such a minor character in Raiders, and in this he gets to do that whole tank chase and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah, they they fill out his role a lot, and it, it feels better that almost that Indy has like an entire like RPG party, right? You've got him, his father Marcus, and uh, and Sala. Yeah, together. again, really just going back to Raiders and being like, "Hey, we like these guys. Let's make them part of the movie." Well, it reminds me a lot of something like The Adventures of Tintin, which, you know, again, this would owe a debt to. Like, yeah. Tintin would have his retinue of, you know, supporting characters as well. So they, they should be back. It makes more sense for them to be there. Yeah. Uh, and then he's chased out of his class by students who were very upset with whatever grade they gave him. It's you know, good. it's funny. That, yeah. I, I, I That is a little bit of a goofy uh, comedy moment. Um, I take it as he's not actually that great of a teacher. <laughs> he's, he's not around. He's a little a lot. preoccupied. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That he's, I don't know. He's doing it cause he has to or whatever, you know, it's part of his deal or whatever with the college. But uh, yeah, that, that he hasn't, if, if all of your students have a problem, you know, that's, that's, that's an issue. Well, I guess it's probably hard to care if this guy wants his grade changed from a B to a B plus when you're like trying to stop the Nazis from finding Atlantis or whatever. It's, you sure. Know. Sure. Yeah. Small potatoes. And we're meant to believe that, right? Because obviously there's a lot of like young adult novels and stuff that are like, oh, you know, comic books and stuff. about all the, you know, every week there was something that he was doing. Um, I assume that's sort of like what we're meant to believe then. Not that he had about like four awesome adventures, but like, no, this guy is just constantly. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And certainly, the, you know, young Indiana Jones Chronicles plays with that sure and and, and in raiders there's a past you know with marion so like yeah you get the sense that yeah, he's broken some hearts he's spending a lot of time globe trotting when he's not yeah. being a professor but uh so after this he he leaves and is immediately accosted by donovan's men and i i'm glad you said his name because i don't care how many times i see this movie i can remember never remember this fucker's name and i can <laughs> barely remember it's julie i know it's julian glover who plays him. But yeah. all I can think of is, oh, it's evil Alan Alda again. Oh, yeah. He's got an Alan Alda vibe. He also, I believe, is uh, in, um, is it Empire Strikes Back where he's commanding an, an AT? AT? Uh, he, I know he's uh, he's a Star Wars. Yeah, he's, he's, he's one of those guys who pops up for a second. Yeah, and I think it's Empire where he's, where he's in charge of a walker. Yeah, and if you watch Game of Thrones, uh, he is Grandmaster Pycelle. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep, playing another shitbird. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's his myth. Uh, but, yeah, we meet him, and he tells us, he, he gives Indy his initial mission. And tells him, don't trust anybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's sandstone, Christian symbol, early Latin text, mid-12th century, I should think. That was our assessment as well. Where'd this come from? My engineers unearthed it in the mountain region north of Ankara while excavating it with copper. Can you translate the inscription? Quiz quiz bibit aquam. Who drinks the water I shall give him, says the Lord. We'll have a spring inside him welling up for eternal life. Let them bring me to your holy mountain in the place where you dwell across the desert through the mountain to the canyon of the crescent moon to the temple where the cup that 
cup that holds the blood of Jesus Christ resides forever. The Holy Grail, Dr. Jones. The chalice used by Christ during the Last Supper. The cup that caught his blood at the crucifixion and was entrusted to Joseph of Arimathea. The Arthur legend. I've heard this bedtime story before. Eternal life, Dr. Jones. The gift of youth to whoever drinks from the grail. <laughs> now, that's a bedtime story I'd like to wake up to. An old man's dream. Every man's dream, including your father's, I believe. Uh, and he gives him all this stuff. I love the way he kind of slow plays, you know, what's really going on. Because first it's like, oh, I want your opinion about these grail-related artifacts. And he says, okay, well, you should really be talking to my father. And then he slowly reveals what takes him a while to get to. Your father has been kidnapped and is missing. Yeah, he's like, I was I was saving that for a dramatic moment. Right. So, yeah, you better get back on this grail quest that he, you know, pick up where he left off. Yeah. And, you know, as a motivation, obviously, that's uh, the most noble one Indy's had, which is like, oh, I got to find my dad. So. Yeah. And I love that they've they've already presaged that with he and his dad have a very strained relationship. And so you're already like, well, he can't let him die, but it's not like he's, you know, super eager to go on this quest. You know, yeah. He does not like his father. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it's one thing to not like him. It's another to let him, you know, be murdered by whoever. Right. So, so this brings us to, of course, the his, his famous way of traveling, which is uh, a red My map, a red line on a map. Um, and uh, we get to uh, Venice. Right. This is where he, he starts to meet uh, Dr. Schneider, Dr. Elsa Schneider. And and they go through this whole like thing where they I guess they for some reason they thought Dr. Schneider would be a man before they meet her. Which is well, let's just stop for a second and say that's one of those things that only makes sense when you're watching a movie because it never would have come up. Hey, you're meeting Dr. Schneider. Dr. Schneider will meet you. I'm not going to tell you their first name and describe or what they look like or what they look like. <laughs> I easily could, of course, but I'm the guy who doesn't tell you your father's missing, so you'll figure it out. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty silly. I like that before that we get the scene at uh, Indiana Jones's dad's house where that's been ransacked too. They like they let you know, yeah. Um, but that must have been set up because you know they they kidnapped him from wherever he was in Venice. There would be no reason, I guess, to go to his house. I guess unless they were hunting for more Grail related. It's possible because they wanted the diary. Oh, that's right, because he didn't have the diary on him. He yeah. mailed it. He mails it to... He should have mailed it to the Marx Brothers. <laughs> he literally could have done almost anything with it. He probably knows it by you know, by memory, although he says uh, no, later... Yeah, yeah cru- crucially, there's about three things he doesn't remember. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Can't you uh, remember? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes, yeah, she takes us to the library, which is the last place he was seen, and uh, this this begins like the very quintessential puzzle box that is, you know, uh, uh, an Indiana Jones or tr- anything in this genre. Right. Uncharted, the, the Tomb Raider, this whole thing of like there's clues around here that lead to a secret door that are going to lead to a chamber. You see, look, Indy, the Roman numerals. Dad was onto something here. Well, now we know the source of the numbers, but we still don't know what they mean. Dad sent me this diary for a reason. Until we find out why, I suggest we keep it to ourselves. Find something? 
Ah, yes, three, seven, and ten. The window seems to be the source of the Roman numeral. My God, I must be blind. Dad wasn't looking for a book about the knight's tomb. He was looking for the tomb itself. Don't you get it? The tomb is somewhere in the library. You said yourself it used to be a church. Look. Three. Three. Seven. Seven. Ten. And ten. Now, where's the ten? Look around for the ten. So this is where, you know, we end up uh, using the, uh, I think, the the rubbing or whatever that he, he got right from Donovan. And by the way, that sounds that that sounds a little uh, untoward, the rubbing that he got from Donovan. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> I was saying, this is where we get the payoff for X marks. This well, box. that's what I was going to say. So, yeah, so he uses, I think it's from the tablet, though, that brings him to that place. So there am I, it doesn't really matter. But uh, Elsa just brings him there and, and oh, says, okay. this it's is like, the last this place. Is the last place. All right. So, so he uses his, you know, his superpower, his indie knowledge to deduce that they that the catacombs that they need to be for because they're looking for the next marker you know that, the, that these knights left behind to help you find the grail and uh great comedy scene right you know he's gonna bash through the floor of this uh, uh it's a converted church that's now a library and then this 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 little uh bespectacled old man is stamping the books and every time he it's great editing by the way like you, you, they milk every possible frame out of this joke. Every time he stamps a book, you know, and he just happens to hit the ground. I don't know what he thought he was going to do otherwise. And it's this, you know, incredibly loud noise. And the guy, you know, thinks he's losing his mind every time he hits it. It's, um, it's a really well edited bit. It's, it, sh- it shouldn't work, but it's really funny. I, the, I think it works because of that actor's performance. The, yeah. like, the kind of like Buster Keaton like level of facial acting he's doing. Yeah. You know, as he's so confused by this sound. The other thing I noticed for the first time here is there's a big continuity error in that the X is not there when he's bashing the floor. The floor uh, is just green. Oh, interesting. The, the X has, has disappeared. I don't know why. Yeah. That so I happened. presumably, uh, and you saw this recently. I mean, I think it's been about a year for me since the last time I saw it. But um, is there a conversation about? Oh, it's going to take a minute to get permission, and it's like there's no time, kind of a thing, like to go down there. Yeah, I don't think they there's even a thought of like we need to get permission. It's like we're just going to bash the floor open. <laughs> we're not gonna, I just love it. Doesn't talk to anybody. Talk to anyone. Doesn't ask for anything. Just starts hitting the floor with a with a like a what is whatever you call one of those velvet rope you know stands or whatever. Um, they go down to the catacombs, and I want to mark this as just about the it's it's they tried to do something like this later in Crystal Skull and completely whiffed it. This is so understated it is such a great reference to raiders you know when they're they're going through the catacombs and elsa looks at you know the, the there's a some mural and uh she's like you know what's this one and he's like the ark of the covenant she's like are you sure and he just says pretty sure and i it's this it's so cool 
because anybody else would be like, oh my God, I didn't tell you about the time that I found the Ark of the Covenant, you know, and you would just lose all your cred. But like, he's just like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) it's pretty great. It's like only Harrison Ford delivers those lines that way. That level yeah. of like nonchalance is perfect. Yeah. And as you said, like the, the version of this they do in Crystal Skull where they're in the warehouse from uh, the end of Raiders and you just see the box cracked open and it's inside. That Which implies, is... by the way, they nuked it. They nuked the <laughs> Ark of the Covenant. One of the most important artifacts in human history is destroyed. Uh, is that warehouse part of the the town, the nuke town? I just figure it's close enough. I don't know, but about, maybe I don't, know. I, don't, I don't think it's probable. I think because he gets in the, um, I can't believe I know enough about Crystal Skull. He gets in that like He's, space car thing that shoots him out somewhere. So he gets he gets sent farther away from where he started. But but I, I will say that is the cinematic equivalent of going like, oh my god, I found the Ark of the Covenant. I never told you. And like yeah. and like that is it's so in your face. You can't miss it. It's not cool at all. It's so lame. It's the difference between someone going like eh, and nudging you with your elbow and then doing that same thing, but hitting you in the eye with with your yeah. Elbow. They literally like play the like music from that moment and everything. It's just so in your face. But uh, yeah. yeah, great great moment. I think. Also, correct me if I'm wrong. Some no, this might be on the ride. There's like a there's like a C three PO and R two D two, but that might be on the ride. <laughs> you know, like on the wall somewhere. Oh uh, no, I think you're right. Uh, well, no, it's in um. That's also in Raiders. They're in the hieroglyphics. Oh, okay, in the, in the hieroglyphics. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, very cool. And I just want to say also, too, on that line delivery, you, I really think you do hear um, also a little bit of, like, uh, frustration and regret, you know, over, yeah, I found it and then got taken away. And I couldn't tell anybody. Yeah. yeah. It was, you know. uh, the other thing that's in here, of course, is, like, an India it becomes, like, a, a hallmark of the series is just, we got to have – some sort of unusual infestation of disgusting animals. So in the first one, it's snakes. Then in Temple of Doom, it's bugs. There's a little, yeah, it's a little like the back to the future uh, approach to things, which is like, yeah, weird sort of thematic harmonizing of beats. Um, it If you're a kid anyway, you don't really notice that that's what's happening. And, and, and maybe that's for the best. But yes, as you get older, you're kind of like, okay, well, the rats are the snakes. Oh, and his dad's afraid of rats, which is funny. Yeah, I love that. But like, you know, he never would have made it this far. He would have, you know, balked at this. Yeah, uh, and and they're uh, accosted by the Brotherhood of the Cruciform Sword. Sword. That's right, the Brotherhood of the Cruciform Sword. They're dedicated to protect the location of the Grail, which they must not be very busy most of the time. <laughs> I was going to say, these are the first people to get anywhere near the grail. Cause they can't just like try and like kill anybody who goes into that library. Right. They're like the coast guard of, of like secret societies. It's like, they've got like a couple of people stationed by the Canyon. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then people are going to tell me like, you, you, all your listeners are going to get mad at me. And so the coast guard does a lot of like at sea rescues and stuff. All right, fine. But you know, historically the branch of the military that's the least involved in, in conflicts. Uh, yeah. And, and, and with this one, you know, you get the, you get the boat chase, right? You get the, the, you know, the speed boat chase, which is great. Go between them. I said, are you crazy? I love that stuff. But there, it has another Indiana Jones staple. Do you know what I'm talking about? Not weird. It's in every single one. <laughs> I don't know about crystal skull. But you're having a fist fight with somebody and some kind of blade or rock crusher is getting closer and closer to both of you. 
generally coming up from behind the guy you're fighting with. So in Raiders, it's the plane with the propeller, and then that guy gets chewed up. In Temple of Doom, it's a it's like a rock crusher. Again, you're fighting this giant guy who you'll never beat anyway, but then the rock crusher gets him. And then in this one, it's a little different. The boat is getting smashed up by the propeller. Same kind of thing, but in this case, they... He spares the life of the guy, and then, you know, you you move on. But that is in all of the first three movies. Why are you trying to kill us? Because you're looking for the Holy Grail. My father was looking for the Holy Grail. Did you kill him, too? No. Where is he? Talk or you're dead. Damn it, tell me. Tell me. If you don't let go, Dr. Jones will both die. Then we'll die. My soul is prepared. How's yours? This is your last chance! No, Dr. Jones! It's yours! Well, I like this character. His name is, I think, Kasim is the name of the character. He looks like uh, you know, Frank Zappa with a fez on. Yeah. And uh, because he's ultimately not a bad guy, uh, as we learn, you know, and, and I think he recognizes after, you know, this confrontation, like, oh, Indiana Jones is not a threat. He's not looking for the Grail to do harm. He's I'm not for looking for the grail. I'm looking for my father. And I will tell you where he is. Oh, mm-hmm. I got to go put money in the jar. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's, but he's the bridge to the next uh, set piece, which is yeah, he tells the castle. Him, uh, castle. Is it Brunwald? Brunwald. Brunwald on the Austrian German border. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is a real castle. Um, that's not its name, but it is a real castle. They did add to it to make it look bigger with some matte paintings. Yeah. Uh, which are, excellent you can't tell uh and it's a great set like this to me is feels like a relic of that concept of let's do this haunted house scottish castle thing yeah uh because there's so much that goes on here that like yeah i could see this being a set in a different movie you know that does do you know that kind of a plot this movie also has i think more than uh raiders or or, or temple of doom more like uh, indie pulling fast ones, you know what I mean? Um, and in this case, uh, you know, like bashing through the floor of a, a library. And now in this case, you know, they're trying to gain access to the castle. And it's just a ludicrous idea. You know, he gets, uh, he borrows her beret and then like creates a little cape and pretends to be a Scottish lord. And he's here to view the tapestries. <laughs> it's such and a... then they just punch the guy out there talking to and keep moving. Right. How dare he? This? Oh, before time. Do you intend to leave us standing on the doorstep all day with the wrench? <laughs> look. That gun and caught a sniffle. How you expect it? Take that tone with me, my good man. Now battle off and tell Baron Brunwald that Lord Clarence MacDonald and his lovely assistant are here to view the tapestries. Tapestries? Dear me, the man is dense. This is a castle, isn't it? There are tapestries. This is a castle. And we have many tapestries. And if you are a Scottish lord, then I am Mickey Mouse. How dare he? It's just funny. It's I just, I just he does almost have like a disorder where he can't go back and regroup <laughs> and come up with a better plan. Well, this is that what I think is again this quintessential difference between 
Indiana Jones and James Bond, which is James Bond is very suave. He's not perfect, but he's generally very suave. Yeah. Know, he wouldn't pull – he doesn't pull cons and capers like this. Right. Indiana Jones, they're kind of constantly taking the piss out of him. He's he's scrappy. He fights dirty. You know, he, he has to cheat to win a lot of the time. Yeah, he takes shortcuts. Right. Um, but th- I think that's what makes him charming is that, like, yeah, he is – He's as he's he's as lucky as he is uh, crafty. Yeah, but he's not like skilled. Right? He's not like you know. He he's not an amazing marksman, for example. You know, right. He's not great in hand to hand combat. He's just you know good enough. It is hard to imagine him as like a committed academic because he seems to have an inability to take anything but the shortest possible distance <laughs> between two points. You know what I mean? Right. And I think I imagine archaeologists. Uh, my aunt is an archaeologist. I feel like they're constantly having to deal with this complete misperception of their of their job, which mostly is done, you know, in libraries. But that's part of the fun of the character. Yeah, of course. As as, uh, as we're about to hear the, the famous line, you call this archaeology because, yeah, what Indiana Jones does is so far removed from archaeology and yet like has spawned this entire genre. Right again, Tomb Raider, Uncharted. There's a series, uh, various other games and movies. Like this is now the template for that stuff. Right, the template of Doom. I have to go. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we get to the castle, and uh, he has he, he runs he finds his dad. Right, who I believe accosts him immediately, and he I love that he says like we wouldn't have come through the window. Or, or, you know, they, or they come through the door. <laughs> Sorry yeah. about the head, though. I thought you were one of them. Yeah. They use the door. Yeah. And so uh, and this is where we learn, you know, the, yes, more about uh, Indy's uh, childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, his father hits him with a with a vase and, you know, is more worried about the vase. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'll feed into there's that great line he has when they're in the Zeppelin later. And he says, you know, you you taught me that you cared less about me than people who died 400 years ago in another country. And I learned it so well that we've hardly spoken in the last, was it 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you saw exactly, you see that with the illuminated text at the beginning where he's ignoring him while river Phoenix is like begging for his attention. Yeah. Uh, and we see it here with the, with the Ming vase again, he's, you know, but then he, he's happy because, Oh no, it was a, it was a forgery. It's like not a real Ming vase. Yeah, right. Of course. So no yeah. harm done. Except to your son. Yeah, no, hand. again, there's some pretty good comedy in this. I mean, he goes, oh, thank God. And you see, like, you know, the relief on, on Indy's face. Like, oh, my dad actually cares about me a little bit. And it's like, it's a fake. Um, but uh, this is, you know, the movie up to this point is very enjoyable. But now it now we get what we really came for, which is the dynamic between these two characters. And the restraint they have, too, in knowing, like, we've got Sean Connery, one of, like, the biggest, most popular actors alive. And they, you know, you don't see like they don't cut away to him, you know, before this meeting, you know, to see what he's up to. Like we're they were willing to say we're going to wait to meet Sean Connery until we get all the way to this castle, which is you know like a third of the way through the movie. Yeah, and it, we it should be noted here that severely cast against type. I mean, Sean Connery, Sean Connery, generally known as being you know pretty cool, and obviously as James Bond and all that stuff. Henry Jones Senior is uh, a fussy. <laughs> whiny (laughs) character it's pretty funny yeah you're right i mean seeing sean connery you know and he plays it so well he knows like he every single comedy beat here like all of the gears are just like turning in sync as he does all this stuff he makes it look effortless 
it's it's a wonderful performance, and it's so endearing. Like this guy who's an abusive father, you still kind of like him. Yeah, it's uh, your character that everybody at this point already really likes, Indiana Jones. You know, what do you do? Why does this sequel work so well? I think is always a question. I, I whenever I'm thinking of sequels and ones that possibly surpass the original or at least are a worthy addition and was not conceived as part of the pre-existing series. You know, why is this working? And there is just something that's really illuminating information about Indiana Jones. You know, one of the things that's true about characters, about human beings, is that we're different when we're with different people. You know, different people bring out different signs of us. And so their dynamic feels correct for the character of Indiana Jones. But you see a side of him that you've never seen before. You see him being low status for one thing, some of the time, you know, it's, 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 it works so well. I mean, he calls him sir throughout the movie, right? He won't call him, you know, I guess he calls him dad once in a while, but often it's, it's sir. Yeah. And, and as you said, like the other character, especially Sala and uh, Marcus, will comment on that fact that like they're, they're noticing that Indy is sort of different when his father's around, right? Yeah. The, the way yeah. he behaves. So it's, it's, it's a really smart way to give you more of what you want, but in a slightly different context. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I would look to that. If you're ever doing a sequel to something and uh, you know, what character or characters could you introduce that bring a different side out of your, uh, your protagonist, I think is a great way to do it. Yeah. And Spielberg is such a master as a director at kind of mixing tones together uh, because we're about to get into this one. It's a really exciting sequence of them you know, getting caught by the Nazis and then escaping the castle. There are obviously horror beats in this movie. There are, you know, again, action. There's dramatic beats. Um, we're recording an episode on Jurassic Park tomorrow, which kind of does the same thing. It's like it shifts gears between what kind of movie it is. And here, so we get that, like, so, for example, they get caught. We've got this very tense scene of them tied back to back as they're trying to escape. And they, Sean Connery hilariously sets the room on fire. They get to the fireplace, which then does this very, like, young Frankenstein shtick of just turning around. I love that, though, that, like, you know, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg are just like, I don't know. There's a secret fireplace door. You know, why not? It's it's super uh, just the stuff. It's it's people putting in the stuff they like into the movie. I also want to say, you know, the physical comedy of that chair thing is is so good between the two of them. I mean, two actors that are, again, not really known for their comedy chops. It's like a secret hidden talent they have. They're both very funny. Killing it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> dad, what? Dad, what? Dad, what? <laughs> you know, they can't find each other's head because they keep turning the other way. You know? <laughs> dad! Oh, dad! Oh, dad! Ah! Head for the fireplace! Oh. Our situation has not improved. Listen, Dad, I'm almost free. 
It's very slapsticky. It's very there's like almost like a Three Stooges vibe, like the Marx Brothers. Like there is some of that going on, and I love that. Like so, they're stuck on this thing that spins, and on the other side of the fireplace is like the secret war room where the Nazis are planning everything. And I love that it, that that beat where they get stuck on that side, and Frau Fabissner from Austin Powers turns <laughs> to look at them. And like, there's that exchange where, like, for a minute they're they just, like, like smiling. Don't at each they other. like? Yeah, they both smile at each other, which is really because it's like they don't know what to do. And then she just screams, you know, alarm, alarm! as you would, ex- <laughs> you would expect her to. Also, up until this point, uh, we did not know that. I mean, you probably knew, but uh, that Nazis were going to be in this movie. And I believe this is where uh, we get the line: "Nazis, I hate these guys." Yeah, I love that. Again, they hold back on that as well because they they, they are the perfect antagonist. I think for Indiana Jones, you know, you're, you're, he's looking for holy things and they're the most unholy force on earth. I will say, you know, I don't, I think the choice to make the enemy, of the Soviets in crystal skull was correct. The movie wasn't good, but they're the obvious choice for that. And I'm curious to see how they re it looks like they're re they're bringing back Nazis for, for, yeah, Donald, I mean, so. again, it sounds like they're doing what they did with this movie, which is like, oh, okay, we're going to give you what you want. I mean, to the, uh, extent that, and I, uh, potential spoiler alert, if you'd like to go into Dial of Destiny not knowing anything, uh, just shoot forward 30 seconds, but, uh, it's going to have a cold open and they're doing that whole de aging thing where, uh, you know, it's supposed to be like 1944, I think, where it's where it starts and you're going to get, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of, of indie beaten on Nazis, you know, in, in, in the era in which they were, you know, the most associated. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and they yeah. mentioned that in, in, uh, I believe in Crystal Skull, they talk about he is, you know, he served in World War II. Right. So, I, I, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, as you would think, he, if anyone was going to sign up to fight Nazis, it would be Henry Jones. Jr. I feel so. like he was doing more effective work uh, as a sole uh, practitioner, a sole proprietor or whatever. <laughs> but uh, sure. I mean, he does he does have a knack for finding biblical super weapons. So, you know. Which, can we stop for a second and just uh, – I know we're going chronologically through this, but for our it's listener. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanted to say it's interesting how this movie, it's a Christian artifact. Right, Temple of Doom. It's some Hindu. I, uh, you know, the the Sankara stones, which I think are are they probably based in some kind of myth. I, uh, I believe, that, yeah. Again, they are. Yeah, they are part of a myth. Uh, I think it's Hindu. I think you're right. And then they are. And then the Ark of the Covenant. So you know, if one were doing some world building of you know the Indiana Jones universe, it's sort of like all of these things are imbued with some kind of mystical power. It was all aliens. No, but like all of these things are sort of true. It, it's a kind of a weird sort of pantheon of of gods and powers. And I do love that Indiana Jones remains a cynical skeptic. <laughs> well, again, to spoil something from dial, he has that line that they use in the trailer, which is like, you know, a few times I've seen some shit basically. Right. Right. It's a great line. I I think it's a great line. So it's not what you believe, but how hard you believe it, which I, uh, I was like, God, that is a really smart way to write around that problem. <laughs> <laughs> that literally after after Raiders, he should have never, ever questioned anything ever again. No, he should have immediately, you know, gone into the clergy at that point. Like, it's real. <laughs> I, it's all fucking real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is. But, it, but, but what's, what do you, what's your take on that? That like, you know, I mean, uh, the Holy Grail, of course, is a classic MacGuffin. You know, it's hard to not consider it when you're thinking of artifacts that someone could be looking for. But um, it seems like an interesting choice. What? That is the Holy Grail? Uh, yeah, to just basically kind of make Jesus, you know, 
real. <laughs> you know, in this, in this, in the context of this universe. Uh, well, I think by the time you've gotten to the third movie, you know, you've, you've already been there, right? You, you've done the Ark of the Covenant. You've done the Sankara Stones. So it's not novel. I think as a particular MacGuffin, the Grail is great because it is, you know, it, it is notable for people questing for it throughout history. Right. Uh, not one Monty Python reference to be found in here, which was restraint again on their part. But, you know, it, it is kind of that that term, just a holy grail that that is synonymous with a MacGuffin almost, you know, historically. So and it gives you a, a fun framework to work with. And you bring in this element of faith. You know, you look at his father who obviously does, you know, does believe in the myth of the grail. It's not clear like how actually like, quote unquote religious he is in terms of his his faith. But he obviously believes in the power of the grail. Well, he does uh, slap Indy for blasphemy. So, you know, he's definitely he has a reverence there for sure. And once we meet the brotherhood of the cruciform sword, we realize like they're, they're not fucking around. Like there must be a big deal that they're protecting this thing. Look, I'm just saying objectively in the world of Indiana Jones, <laughs> Jesus had some kind of magical powers. <laughs> you just can't get away from it. In his blood that drips on anything his blood drips on, I guess, is uh, has got some interesting powers to it. All right. So why how do you, why are you still Jewish is what I'm trying to say, Doug. After that. Oh, because I now I've seen the cup and I know. Cuz <laughs> no. I saw what happened when you opened the ark. You don't don't mess with that. <laughs> um all right. So he uh, so they escape um and they reach this crossroads where you know the the choice is go to Berlin to try and get the diary or continue on towards wherever the grail might be because yeah, there are, the the signpost says Berlin and then Grail. <laughs> yeah. We're going the wrong way. We have to get to Berlin. Brody's this way. My diary's in Berlin. We don't need the diary, Dad. Marcus has the map. There is more in the diary than just the map. All right, Dad. Tell me. Well... He who finds the grail must face the final challenge. What final challenge? Three devices of such lethal cunning. Booby traps? Oh, yes. But I found the clues that will safely take us through in the Chronicles of St. Ansel. Well, what are they? Can't you remember? I wrote them down in my diary so that I wouldn't have to remember. Half the German army's on our tail, and you want me to go to Berlin? Into the lion's den? Yes. The only thing that matters is the grail. What about Marcus? Marcus would agree with me. Two selfless martyrs. Jesus Christ. That's for blasphemy. The quest for the grail is not archaeology. It's a race against evil. If it is captured by the Nazis, the armies of darkness will march all over the face of the earth. Do you understand me? This is an obsession, Dad. I never understood it. Never. Neither did Mom. Oh, yes, she did. Only too well. Unfortunately, she kept her illness from me. All I could do was mourn her. Uh, and and uh, 
Senior Henry Jones Senior convinces him we got to go to Berlin to get the diary because there's information in there that I I just can't remember and we're going to need that later. So they disguise themselves as Nazis and go to a book burning. Yeah, everything old is everything old is new again. <laughs> yeah, and, and so this scene this scene always struck me as a little funny. That so he meets, of course, he run, winds up face to face with Hitler. He hands him the Grail diary because he and gets Hitler. Well, he's just holding it. it. He's just holding. Gets he just kind of gets uh, shoved by this crowd up into you know. Uh, but by the way, you know he runs into Elsa, and that's a pretty intense scene, you know, because she's got the diary. And we know by now that she's And he evil. puts his hand on her throat. I mean, it's pretty intense for your hero to threaten violence towards a woman. I mean, it's pretty pretty wild. I mean, she's earned it, uh, but still. And she's interesting because, as we see, she's she's sort of more in it for herself than she is the Third Reich. You know, she's, she's kind of working her own angle. Well, that that always got, we can get to that at the end. I, I was always a little confused by uh, how everyone thought it was going to go. You know, Donovan, Hitler, and and Dr. Schneider there, how everyone was going to get what they wanted. But we should probably save that. Um, yes, but yes, he gets uh, your, your Grail Diary. You have uh, Adolf Hitler's autograph in the trunk of your car, essentially. Yes, correct. For, <laughs> just to prove my, my Nazi bona fides. But the what I love is... The, you and Harlan, uh, you and Harlan Crow, or whatever. Oh God! Um, <laughs> it always struck me as funny that so we find out again in Crystal Skull that Indy served in World War II. And can you imagine the people he served with? It was like, I'm sorry, you were two feet from Hitler's face, and you could have just killed him before World War II. <laughs> I mean, granted, he never would have made it out of there alive, but yeah, I also don't think it would have necessarily stopped uh, <laughs> the Nazis. But it's not, you know, it's, it's not like you, if you destroyed the mothership, all the other Nazi ships. No, that's how Nazis work. You have to kill the head Nazi. and they all Exactly. I don't think it quite works that way. Um, I think he made the right choice is what I'm trying to say. Um, all right. So, yeah. So they they get the diary. Um, yeah, what, what, yeah. Where do we go next with this? They end up. Yeah. What happens next? Uh, the blimp. Ah, the Zeppelin. Yes, that's right. They're going to try to get out of Germany. They, uh, this is where you get the great scene. Well, you get a lot of great stuff here. You know, you get uh, Indiana Jones uh, getting recognized by the that uh, Nazi officer and throwing him off the Zeppelin. And then everyone's looking at him and he says, no ticket, which is hilarious and insane that that worked. Again, thinking on, thinking on his feet. Yeah, it's it's a great scrappy moment. It feels like the writers you, you, as you got themselves into a corner there and had to work real hard. Like, how's he going to get out of it? They've built up so much goodwill by this point, though, by having so much fun stuff happen that you're just like, yeah, sure, yeah, why not? There are heroes. They're gonna they're gonna get out of these. Scrapes. Also, I want to point out that he throws this guy out of the zeppelin and then just hangs out in the in the zeppelin. <laughs> Like, do you just take off his uniform and just like has you know what I mean? Does anyone go like, aren't you the guy? Aren't you supposed to be working? Like, what's this? That's right. He changes back into his uh, regular clothes. Yeah, and I guess that's enough for people to be like, all right, yeah, that's fine. And also a great scene too, though. You know, this is when you were talking about where you know he and his dad have a moment, and it's a great character moment. You know, for a movie that is so much fast paced action, you've got this uh, thing where uh, he's just like, hey, I, I'm, I do this to everybody. <laughs> You know, want to just like talk, you know, we've, we've, it's been so long, you know, we've never really, and uh, his dad's like, you know, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> and he gives that great, that great, that great Harrison Ford, like, ah, uh, smile or whatever, you know, and he's like, I can't think of anything. I mean, it's a, it's a really sweet moment. Do you remember the last time we had a quiet drink? Hmm? 
milkshake. Really? What did we talk about? We didn't talk. We never talked. Do I detect a rebuke? A regret. It's just the two of us, Dad. It was a lonely way to grow up, for you too. If you'd been an ordinary average father, like the other guys' dads, you'd have understood that. Actually, I was a wonderful father. Did I ever tell you to eat up, go to bed, wash your ears, do your homework? No, I respected your privacy, and I taught you self-reliance. What you taught me was that I was less important to you than people who'd been dead for 500 years in another country. And I learned it so well that we've hardly spoken for 20 years. You left just when you were becoming interesting. Dad, how can you... I'm here now. What do you want to talk about? Hmm? (laughs) I can't think of anything. Then what are you complaining about? (laughs) We have work to do. And his response, then what are you complaining about? You know, um, but that's so dads, isn't it? Because dads always have to have an activity. <laughs> you know, they, they can't just hang out with you. They get so uncomfortable. I mean, you're a dad, so I guess I don't know if that's true about you. But but uh, my dad, certainly, and a lot of dads always seem to like that. We need to be doing something. We need to be working on something, you know, play, throwing a ball back and forth at the very least. Um, you know, in this case, dad is uncomfortable unless they're searching for the Holy Grail. Yeah, and I thought this was – it's a cute moment, although there's a little bit of like, Jesus, Sean Connery, did you not hear what he said? Which is like, you've ignored me my whole life. He's like, ah, you turned out fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's sort of like they, they're starting to reconcile, but they're not all the way there yet, not by a, a long shot. But it's a great scene of them at least having some fun together before uh, they they, uh, they do get found out and have to escape the Zeppelin on a plane. And I thought – when I was a kid, I was like, oh, man, they were on the Hindenburg. They narrowly avoided, you know, getting uh, yeah. blown up. <laughs> no, there was more than one uh, Nazi blimp, apparently. Yeah. Uh, you get the great plane thing. I, I, that feels like an invented thing, too, right? Where there's just this, like, uh, it's not, it's not, is it a biplane? I don't know. It's some kind of, you know, uh, uh, combat plane attached yeah, it's got to a the, gun on it attached to the bottom of a Zeppelin. Is that a thing that happened or is that just invented for this movie? I don't watch enough History Channel. I think it's such a great example of like the writers just going like, who wrote this, by the way? We keep saying the writers. Do you know offhand? Uh, there's quite a few because, like I said, this script went through a million. Okay. Rewrites. Well, I just really, I really admire, you know, if you ever find yourself in a moment where you're like, I don't know how to make this happen. Just ask yourself what would be exciting or fun and then just you can make it work you know what i mean just just yeah and so like yeah for some reason there's a plane on the bottom of the zeppelin they get in the plane and they're being chased now through the air right now it's the dog fight and uh the the moment of sean connery shooting off the tail of the plane and then turning around to and he's going i'm sorry sean they got us yeah it's great. I mean, it's again, he's already, he set the, you know, castle on fire before. Now he's shot the bat. I mean, he's definitely, he's rolling a lot of catastrophic fails, you know, every time they try to do something. <laughs> right. But he brings in it. I love, and Indy also says, I can fly it. I can't fly. Yes. Land. No. 
Um, but they do. They manage to bring it in for a reasonable crash landing into a side of the house. And it's a side, you know, it's it's a fun little bit of character progression because in Temple of Doom, he didn't even know how to fly a plane. And so we're led to believe that, that experience caused him to maybe at least take some lessons. Yeah. And this leads to one of my favorite moments in the movie, which is so they, you know, they're chase, they, they, hop, they hop into a car. There's a car chase. They wind up on the beach being chased by there, there were there were two planes, one blows up in a tunnel and so their last plane is is harrying them and shooting them from above and sean connery has this moment of inspiration and he just scares all of the birds on the beach let my armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky i love that moment because it's one it's clever it's very in keeping with with henry jones's persona and his personality but it also is a nice link because it's the kind of solution that Indiana would come up with. It's right. It's scrappy. It's, you know, you're using what you got. It's slightly underhanded. <laughs> right. It's it's it does feel a little bit like he cheated. Right. Yeah. But it works. Some birds had to give their lives to take that plane down. It's all right. It was a, it's a Nazi plane. Those birds were can be buried in Arlington. So, uh, so uh, Henry Jones is walking away, and you do see a moment of like respect uh, on Indy's face. He's he's impressed. Yeah, because again, he used like I said, he does make that that quote from I remember my Charlemagne, and it's like he's using that like archaeological historical knowledge to solve a modern day problem. So yeah, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. And uh, from there, we cut to uh, this scene in the desert where Donovan is trading a car, a Rolls Royce, to some sort of local sultan or whatever he is. Oh, yeah. This is this is grim. Yeah. I, I mean, it was way too long in my life before I realized that all the like valuables that he was offering were not donated. <laughs> Yeah, he says these were donated by some of the finest families in Europe. And it's never said in the movie, but it's like, I'm pretty sure they stole that from Jews. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what it is. And, uh, you know, this movie, uh, you wonder how much of this stuff could survive now, you know, in in, in, in movies. But, uh, yeah, there's some there's some strangely challenging moments. Yeah. Did we skip over the scene where Marcus gets uh, kidnapped? Oh, I think we did because he's... Uh, this is uh we're going a little out of sequence here, but it's that it's that great moment where uh, he's like he speaks a dozen languages. He'll blend in, disappear. You'll never see him again. With any luck, he's found the grail already. And then you cut to Marcus Brody, and he's like, "Does anybody here speak English or uh, ancient Greek?" <laughs> right, just wandering through the streets of I guess probably Cairo since Sala's there. But he gets he basically he gets uh, captured basically. Right, that's the deal. Right. So now they have another, you know, base, uh, bargaining chip since they don't right. have Sean Connery anymore. Um, but yeah, so getting back to this. So, yeah, that's it. So the, the we now know that the Nazis have resources that they didn't have before to make the trek across the desert because they know the starting point and they have the map that mm -hmm. shows uh, the, the approximate location of the grail. Right. And so this leads to the confrontation in the desert and the tank chase. I mean, uh, I, I, my favorite scene in the movie, that tank chase is everything about it is fire emoji. <laughs> it is, it, it's got multiple things happening with multiple characters. It's got clever, res it's, it's, it is right up there with the truck scene from Raiders, right? In terms of a self-contained action sequence that tells multiple stories, overlapping, 
you know, resolutions to things within it, jokes within it, an amazing score. The Belly of the Steel Beast is the name of, of that track from John Williams. And uh, it is. It's it's a better version, I think, of the truck scene from Raiders, which is a, one of the greatest scenes in cinema. Yeah. It, for, it obviously fulfills the same role. It comes in about the same place in the movie in terms of the pacing. And it's great. It goes up there with some of the great action sequences, probably mostly because you can yes there's like action beats and like scary parts and comedy beats all happening but beyond that you can really feel like when you're watching like a good sports game i i know what all the players are doing at any given time and so many action sequences fail because of that kind of poor editing where you're just like wait what's happening what's going on with this guy i can't tell and this, you know, you know what's going on. You understand, emo- you know, there's a, I think it's Robert McKee in his book, Story, talks about the difference between curiosity and concern as an audience member. So uh, curiosity is the puzzle of it, which is, which this also has, like, how is this going to resolve? But concern is the emotional detachment. You actually care about the outcome. And, you know, Indy's dad gets captured and then he's inside the tank and stuff. So it's like the highest possible stakes, you know, are going on in this. I mean, I feel so bad when like he's got him with the whip and like the t- the tank treads, which would probably tear up a person, you know, are like he's on, he's like, ah, you know, like, God, it's horrible. It's your dad. You know, like it's, it's really intense. And I love that moment because then Sala comes along to rescue yeah. them. And, and he's like, get him, get dad. Right. Let me handle this. I, that also has this moment where he's he's hanging from like the he destroys one of the guns on the side of the tank and he winds up hooked like on a strap as it's approaching this. This is a bit of a continuity thing that you're that you're talking about. Like there's literally no <laughs> there's no way for that. That's that, <laughs> literally there's no way that strap is on this thing. It's not coming off. And then at some point they cut to him. and It's just off. <laughs> he just climbs <laughs> up and he's fine. But forget that. It's the like I, I will say that like I ca- I catch my breath a little bit every time that he's like approaching that wall. And it's like, oh, God, he's going to get just creamed. Yeah. Yeah, again, you know, uh, I, 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 I've heard people not give Harrison Ford the credit that he deserves. I mean, like, I know he's a very successful movie star and stuff, but he plays that terror really well. That vulnerability of that moment. Yeah. like All the and dust again, is in that, his face and everything. I mean, it's, yeah. Again, like, making Indiana Jones miserable and scared works in the way that like again a tomb raider movie does not because lara croft is unflappable at every turn right and that takes all the tension out Indy of it is remarkably flappable if you think about it yeah. he's actually a fairly emotional character yeah it's basically one giant oh shit oh shit oh shit when any yeah. of these action sequences start up that's what makes him fun and, yeah. and, you, and you worry about him even though of course he has plot armor you know, they're not going to kill Indiana Jones 15 minutes from the end of the movie. Yeah, but yeah, you just you're like if you're a kid, if you're a kid, you're probably dumb enough to think that that's possible. But uh, then, of course, we get the the scene where uh, um, Henry Jones Sr. squirts. Well, he squirts the ink in the, in the guy's face and the guy gets knocked out and they have their little the pen. Don't you see the, the pen is mightier than the sword. That little moment, which has got to be mentioned because it's so so adorbs uh, with those <laughs> two old men. Uh, yes. The, well, I'm, the favorite thing I have with them is that like when uh, Henry Jones shows up in the tank and he sees Marcus, they have this little like, 
Ah, genius of the restoration. Ain't I own resuscitation? Henry, what are you doing here? <laughs> this is where this is like this is where I stopped to say that in uh, high school, my friends did have an impression of me, and the impression basically boiled down to, "Hey guys, want to come over and watch Last Crusade?" <laughs> <laughs> that was their impression of me. So, this is why I invited you on this episode. I know, and no one's listening at this point. They moved on. This, this might as well be one long, you know. Uh, uh, Casper mattresses uh, ad, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, they go over the side where Indy, well, they get him out of there, right? Uh, and and so Indy is fighting with the you know one of these uh, mid tier guys uh, <laughs> on the on the top of the tank, uh, and it goes over the side. And how did you know? Uh, the, kind of a callback to some other stuff like Temple of Doom. There's sort of a similar moment with the bridge and everything goes over the side, and then a, and just another wonderful emotional. Uh, moment, you know, where where Marcus and Sala and Henry Jones Senior uh, are looking over the side, and it's quiet, and they just, you know, and 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 Henry thinks his son is dead. Oh God, I've lost him, and I never told him anything. I just wasn't ready, Marcus. Five minutes would have been enough. And 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 then of course you know and we want to see it. You want to see it. You know, he climbs up and it's and then it's funny now because now he's behind them and he they don't know it. They think they're looking over there, you know, grieving. And Indy's right behind them and he's looking over the side and just like he thinks that they're just thinking like wow. <laughs> and he's kind of mm-hmm. making that face like oh yeah right oh boy. <laughs> it's 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 great. It's such a great. And then and then. I almost get emotional thinking about it. And then his father turns around and sees him and gives him this, just what he wanted his whole life, just gives him this huge hug. And it's, it's so great. I thought I lost you, boy. Yeah, I thought you had too, sir. You know, I mean, it's such a wonderful moment. Um, And then, of course, immediately, immediately the rug gets ripped out and they like leave him (laughs) there and run off and Indy falls to his knees because he needs a second. And that's all you're going to get from dad. You're going to get that. And then, and then he kind of collects himself. And he's like, well, all right. Mm, mm, let's never do never do that again. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, come on. We're nearly there. You know, this is his whole life's quest is to find the Holy Grail. And now he knows they're close. Yeah. And 
Indy's hat, which, you know, will never leave him. They're, they're eternally bonded, you know, rolls into the, the wind blows into the foreground there, which I also love. There's some of that stuff in this movie that is, it's all done practically. Of course, there's no digital effects. So you wonder like how many takes did they have to do of like, ah, oh, fuck the hat rolled the wrong way. <laughs> I, by the way, I, I'd show you with the, the camera here. Cause I know we're on a, a video call. Um, it's, it's taped to my wall, but I have a production, you know, this black and white kind of production stills of, of that exact moment where they're, where they're looking over the edge there. So that's, that's oh, the scene that cool. I have, I have on my wall. Yeah. All right. And so now we get to the final test. They get to the temple of the grail, which is this uh, incredible like stone edifice, which I thought was like, that's the most amazing set I've ever seen. It's a real, yeah, it's a real place. Yeah. yeah it's called Petra. It's in Jordan. And uh, it's been used in a lot of movies, but the, this one, I think most effectively, because I mean, it's so evocative. This thing, it's, you know, it's hard to believe that, that somebody actually built this thing yeah it into a, a canyon but we go inside well, of course now we're on a soundstage somewhere uh to the interior here and i i love it like the nazis are all you know they're trying to make their way through these trials which is this is the thing they needed the diary for because it tells you i guess it doesn't tell you how to pass them exactly three traps of such lethal cunning yes and 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 yeah there's the uh these are the clues that will allow someone to safely pass through them uh and i love uh you know that that moment where you know they there's way too, they can't get past them. There's way too many goons there for them to sneak by. And so they're caught almost immediately. And that wonderful confrontation where he, you know, he's, he's like, he's like, you can't shoot me. You know, you need me to get the grail or whatever. He you says. know what? You're, you're absolutely right. I'm going to be drinking my own health when he's gone the way of the dodo. The grail is mine. And you're going to get it for me. Shooting me won't get you anywhere. You know something, Dr. Jones? You're absolutely right. Dad. Dad. No. Get back! When you're dead, the healing power of the Grail is the only thing that can save your father now. It's time to ask yourself what you believe. Yeah, great moment. I loved that. I thought it was like a great way to just ramp up this. Just as they've really kind of finally reconciled, right? You, you, you ratchet. Yeah, and now you've got you know so obviously so much going on, but like Indy's only hope. <laughs> to save the life of his father is to find <laughs> the Holy Grail. I mean, and that it works, and right? that it works. I know. I mean, it's it's it's. I don't want to get too ahead of it because we should talk about the trials. But I just think that I, I this is this is my favorite Harrison Ford movie because he's got to do so much. He's got to convey so much. It's a lot. It's a lot for a character. I mean, he the, the shit he's about to see gets even crazier, and he has to ground all of that. It's it's wild. Nobody does it better than Harrison Ford. And of course, the other thing this does is it takes Sean Connery off the board because now Indiana won't have the advice of the foremost Grail expert to help him as he goes through this trial. He only has what's in the diary. And um, so, you know, I love the way they they set up the the first test because we watch that guy go in there, this red yeah. shirt, uh, this red shirt, brown shirt 
who get he's first you see the body on the floor missing a head and then yeah. shoot, and his head just goes rolling out of the the cavern i think you yeah so this is of course the first trial is the breath of god only the penitent man may pass now you know what i'm going to say about this is a bullshit test right because the first one's <laughs> kneeling yeah and the yeah, next yeah. one it would just Comes cut up you from in the half floor. The yeah, yeah. So it's pretty funny. So yes, the, I think anyone listening to this is familiar enough with the movie that we're certainly not providing enough context. But yes, he, he at the last second realizes that a penitent man kneels before God. So he kneels, the blade goes over. But they, yeah, that other blade would have just... He, he gives him enough time to roll and thank God he thought to do it. But pretty, pretty... I would just stay there in the kneeling position and wait. You know, let this thing go over my head yeah. a few times. Well, it, I... <laughs> Very easily, yeah. But he's he's protected by the most powerful force in the universe, which is uh, plot immunity. So he's fine. Yes. Well, I, I also love the kind of the resonance of this, assuming it was the end of a trilogy. This ends very much the way Raiders begins, right? We're in a temple full of booby traps. So yeah. it's, an, it's a nice kind of... You know, call back to that so yes he goes through there we, then we've got the word of god which is basically like a, a, de- a devious uh, crossword puzzle second challenge the word of god only in the footsteps of god will he proceed Yeah, and I don't know how they you arrange this on the floor where it's like use only the crappiest stonework that you know will collapse <laughs> under someone's Well, the feet. other ones that the other ones are shored up. There's like you can see there's beams underneath the other ones kind of holding them. I mean, it's pretty amazing uh architecture. Yeah. Uh but in Latin, Jehovah begins with an I. <laughs> yeah, that's a great comedy. Yeah, it's an awesome comedy beat to have him mess that up i do like that he talks to himself throughout this whole <laughs> this whole sequence you know what they I mean? almost make it yeah they almost have like a psychic link him and his father and this is the one test where like so after he gets past the the blades he puts like a rope on the gears or whatever so they stop moving he he's, he uh, disables the thing this one he doesn't he he steps on the j which is wrong right. then he just correctly steps through which makes you wonder when people follow in after him how do they know what to do? Yeah, it's a good question, but that, I'll just buy that they had enough information or something, you know, to, to, to figure that out. I want to point out uh, an interesting little tidbit. I do recall this uh, uh, when I was a kid. Uh, I was in 
I think the school library or something, and they had the novelization of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and I was like thumbing through it, and uh, I believe in the novelization or the young adult novelization of it. Instead of it being sort of this long drop into sort of you know the abyss, there it's so much lamer. It's like a giant spider is down there or something. It's really it's just and like almost bites his foot off or something. It's just it's too it's too I know it's too goofy for this movie. Yes, it is. It's a little too much. And, and which would mean, of course, that knight probably has to come along every once in a while. Well, it's time to feed the spider. <laughs> <laughs> For God. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's a good point. All right, so he passes that test, and we're on to the final test, the leap of faith. Another beautiful, another beautiful scene, like another just great evocative moment in cinema. You know, it's a leap of faith, and it's wonderful because they really they. Uh, they shoot it so well because as we'll see, it's really just, there is a path there. It's just painted to look like the abyss below. So it yeah. appears invisible. And I love that shot where like, you know, what, after he has this like moment of faith, it's like, I'm going to just do it. I have to do it for my father, which mm-hmm. it, the emotional beats of that are awesome. And then after he does it, they just swivel the camera around so you can see it. And it's just like, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, the the music here is great. It's got you know this moment where he's like getting up the nerve to just take a step off of this you know into the into this you know bottomless pit, and uh, you know Indy has a couple of pretty important moments in in this final act here, and this is one of them. You know this is this is this is just flies in the face of reason. It's purely an act of faith, you know, and he does it. Uh, and I you we've mentioned John Williams here and there, and obviously he's he had already done the Raiders stuff, so the, the score of Indiana Jones sort of has its soundscape. Um, but I love the the some of the late motifs here in this particular movie, the especially the one they use that's kind of anytime like Grail lore comes up, there's this wonderful... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and it it, it it kind of evokes Lawrence of Arabia's score, mm. to, you know, similar kind of Middle Eastern epic vibe. I love that one. Um, and then we get to the chamber of, of the night. I love this that this poor like thousand year old knight tries to fight him. Yeah, and again, you know, Indy with all the stuff that's going on, uh, also now has to process that there's a medieval knight here who's apparently just been chilling for the last thousand years or so, just reading the Bible over and over. I know. I, it's it's actually kind of a horrific uh, existence. I don't really quite understand it, but he seems like he wants to die. Like he's ready. He's like, you know, well, he want yeah, but you know, he's uh, waiting for his uh, relief to come here. You know, someone to tell him like, I'll take over. Yeah, you kill me and take my place. That's how this works. Like, no, that's a that's a horror movie. Is what happens. I kill you and I'm stuck here forever. Right. Uh, which is nothing compared to the horror that's about to happen when Donovan and Elsa walk in behind him. So this is another, again, movie just pretty much filled with memorable, iconic cultural moments. And this is a, you know, choose, you have to choose the grail amongst all the false grails uh, and choose wisely because as the true grail uh, gives life, the false one will take it from you. 
Yeah, and she doesn't really spend a whole lot of time shopping. There's like at least 50 different cups there, and she just grabs the first one she sees and hands it to him. Like, I, at first I thought, oh, she's she's just not the archaeologist that Indy is, and that's why she's wrong. But re- watching it this time, I was like, no, she's doing that on purpose. It's they have, yeah. there's, there's a very specific moment where he looks at her and she looks at him, and he knows it's not the right one. Indy knows it's not the right one. And she they, they have a moment. You, unless I'm making that up, like that it's very subtle, but he's like, and she's like, mm, you know what I mean? Like, like, like he knows what's going down. Right. Right. Although he doesn't know exactly what's about to happen because no, who else no, would predict no. that? He didn't realize that night, nightmare fuel uh, cometh, but uh, I just like the idea of that night, like collecting grails, <laughs> just like <laughs> fake ones, like just going to garage sales for a thousand. Yeah. Going to garage sales. You know, his friends always know what to get him for his birthday. He just wants fake grails, you know, <laughs> going on eBay. Yeah. And I realized, you know, when, if I want to comment using a GIF to indicate like, man, I feel old. I use this GIF of Donovan aging and turning to dust. And now I realize, yeah, that GIF, that that scene is like 30 some odd years old. now. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, so Donovan drinks from the wrong one. He ages very rapidly. It's horrified. He screams and decays and it's all kind of weird claymation almost. His eyes like suck into his head. It's, awful yeah it's i mean it evokes the face melting stuff from raiders yeah again they were like what can we do that's you know like that but worse um and you get that cool shot of like the dust blowing away and you see his nazi pin and this is what he wrought um so to speak uh and then uh great indy goes up and you know defeats it with his archaeological knowledge there's the cup of a carpenter yeah it is pretty logical jesus didn't have a lot of uh grail income yeah uh yeah it makes sense it's a modest looking little cup um i believe you had a mock-up of that as well correct i still that i still have yeah that that's in my uh, my parents place next to a bullwhip in like a display case that my dad has a bunch of uh civil war stuff in but there's like a section that has more goofy stuff and yeah and yeah he drinks from the cup uh, and I guess does this give him immortality? It's like it's not no, clear. No, I mean clearly not. But uh, I, I bel- this is one of those things that was hotly debated amongst uh, kids. Uh, I believe you have to keep drinking from the Grail, and also he passes beyond the seal, which is also a no-no. So I, I think you have to keep yeah. drinking from it. I like that because they, they I think he says because like Donovan is after like he says I want eternal life we're worried the nazis oh yeah get- we promised we would talk about this so before he goes in there donovan's like uh you know hitler hitler can have the grail but he can't take it with him you know or something like that i don't know i don't know what does donovan think's gonna happen like he wants donovan wants immortality he seems to and think hitler, hitler doesn't yeah he seems to think he says it says this vague thing about you know wants to write himself into the grail legend take on the world or whatever does he think that hitler is just gonna let him keep the grail that's what he seems to think it's very odd yeah i mean i was assuming this was more like the, the like raiders which is like we don't want hitler to get his hands on the mystical power of the grail and use it for evil yeah, it's it's just kind of weird to figure. Yeah, like what's Donovan's game? And I think I feels like he hadn't quite thought it through yet. Yeah, and you're right. The 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 ultimate thing is, of course, you can't take it out of. You can't take the Grail out of this temple. Um, and I would assume the power of immortality it, it leaves you once you walk out of there. Yeah, this well. is the terms of service that uh, no one read about the Holy Grail. But there's actually a lot of conditions that that invalidate it if you you know it breaks the warranty. 
Right. It would not be made out of gold. That's the cup of a carpenter. good that he manages to get back through all of this stuff without spilling any because he gives it to his father to drink he cures his bullet wound uh, in a great moment. They, they, they correctly edit that part out where he has to basically do this like egg on a spoon thing <laughs> and just, you know, bring back a cup with right, how do I spell Jehovah backwards okay here we <laughs> <laughs> good point <laughs> yeah I would have just like smashed all the other ones so I'd be like great I can see it it's easy um yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, so yeah, he goes back, uh, pours some hydrogen peroxide on that wound, and uh, he drinks a little, pours some on. I think if I was uh, Sala and uh, Marcus there and Elsa, I'd be like, well, can I have some? I mean, you're just gonna, he's gonna dump, I mean, he really, he just kind of dumps it all out there. He's like, yeah, I might have a tumor I don't know about. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, as long it. as we're, as long as we're here, you know. So uh, then Elsa, of course, because she's got, uh, I don't know, she's got the stars in her eyes or whatever. She, she, she takes the grail. She gets really excited, starts walking out. She crosses the seal, that very Eve and the apple kind of a thing. And, uh, yeah, the whole place starts falling apart. Yeah, and I don't know what she was thinking because it's like, did you not see the thing where the guy aged and turned to dust? Like, the magic's real. Don't take the thing out. Yeah, but this is another one of those things that's very uh, resonant, you know, just the idea of like, but it's right here now and you're not thinking clearly, you know, this thing. That- I bet if you threw it real well, you could toss it to safety. <laughs> I don't think you can. I don't think you can trick God that way, but maybe just baseball throw it out the out um, the door. Um, right. But uh yeah, uh, you know, this is a this is a theme here is that, you know, the, the grail, which is basically synonymous with desire and obsession is is now working. It's it's dark magic on, on the people around uh, it. And so, yes, Elsa falls um, and she's hanging there and the grail is right there on the ledge and indeed she's slipping and, and she goes for the grail and falls into blackness. And Indy tries the same thing. And I love that, like the second that. Henry Jones has found the grail, the thing he's been looking for his whole life. He's immediately able to go like, just let it go. Yeah, it's not more important than my son. Right. Junior, give me your other hand. I can't hold on. I can get it. I can almost reach it, Dad. Indiana. Indiana. his son back up and he calls him indiana which is like great and that's what snaps him into reality 
And uh, yeah, and then they got on the horses there and we learned that uh, Indiana was the name of the dog. And they ride off into the sunset and Marcus is Marcus goes first and follow me. I know the way is <laughs> one last stupid moment. Got lost in his own museum. Um, and it's beautiful. I mean, and it's this really uh, wonderful extended shot as the credits roll. I mean, they, they really rode on those horses for a good while. Um, I'm not sure how they accomplished that. If they really did, if there was any kind of uh, optical, you know, trickery here, but they literally ride off into the sunset and the music's perfect. And you just, as much as I love Indiana Jones movies, I never needed another one after that moment. Yeah. I'm, I'm like I said, cautiously optimistic for, for dial to see what they do. If they have a good, I know it involves, it seems to involve some kind of time travel thing. So don't know what they're going to do with that, but um, you know, yeah, it, it seems like it's in, in good enough hands. The trailers make it look great. You know, I, 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 that that's the ben- Crystal Skull benefits both Temple of Doom and Dial because, you know, I mean, at this point, the bar is pretty low. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, look, it's it's a mistake that we've made so many times now in the last 15 or 20 years of going back to stuff that people, you know, the kid in them, you know, they're all old enough now to actually get these things made. And they want to go back to these things that meant something to them. And uh, it's kind of ironic, right? Because this movie is all about letting things go, <laughs> resisting the urge to do something that actually is destructive. And and then, of course, we just immediately kind of forget that. Um, and do it anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't need another movie. I will see it. Um, but yeah, you know, we're better off imagining endless adventures that Indiana Jones is going on than finding out like, oh, this is what happened. And it's also like, if I can get on my soapbox for a second, they do this a lot with characters. Like they did it in, uh, Superman returns the, uh, Brian Singer one, you know, where he disappeared for several years and like had a, he was like a deadbeat dad. He had like a kid, you know, and then they do that in Crystal Skull. It's the same thing. It's like, we didn't tell us your story for the last 20 years. So we're just going to come up with a reason that nothing really that important <laughs> happened or something. It's kind of sad. You know what I mean? It's like, that's why we didn't talk about it. It was, he's just ignoring his kid and it's kind of dumb. Um, so I don't, I don't love that. I don't love coming back after all that time personally. Yeah. Um, so we're rounding into the end here. So I, I'll, I'll ask you, as I ask uh, all our guests, you, what is it What is it about this particular Indiana Jones movie that you think makes it you know, endure? Like, why are we still nostalgic for Last Crusade? Well, why did you pick Last Crusade over Raiders for this? Uh, you know, because I, I think it's my favorite Indiana Jones movie and I know it's yours. You know, I, I think this movie, I'll, I'll just give you my thoughts on it. I, I think this movie does everything you want an Indiana Jones to movie to do the best out of all of them. I think it does. It has the funniest comedy beats. It has some of the best action sequences. It's got a great overall quest. And Sean Connery is an MVP in this thing. Um, And I, so I, if, if this feels like they, and I love Raiders, like don't get me wrong. Raiders is amazing. But this feels like they distilled, they they cracked the code. They distilled the Indiana Jones formula down to its essence and said, "This is, this is the best way to do an Indiana Jones movie." Uh, but beyond that, I think the thematic stuff that they're working on in this movie, the father and son stuff, is more interesting thematically than anything in Temple of Doom or Raiders. Uh, I agree with everything you said. Uh, I can tell you just to add on top of it that you know the. Moments in this movie, the situations and the themes 
remain relevant to me, you know, even in my 40s here at this point. Uh, it has come up multiple times in therapy. <laughs> I have a tendency to try to make my points using pop culture, you know, movies and TV mostly. And uh, I remember, I wish I could remember exactly how I set it up, but I think I was talking about, I was trying to make some point, you know, about, about something I was dealing with. And I remember my therapist going, yes, Dan, and what does Henry Jones Sr. say to him? I was like, let it go. <laughs> so I think, you know, I think this movie is, it's not just a good time. It's not just, and I think it holds up. I mean, I've heard, you know, young people watch it, you know, because their dad likes it or whatever. And, and they get it, you know, they, they appreciate it. it. It holds up. But I also think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of heart to this movie. There's a more heart in this movie than Raiders. And um, so I think that's, that's why I like it so much. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good place to leave it. So, uh, Dan, anything you want to plug before we bring this to a close? Oh, geez, I, I don't. I'm not doing too much out publicly right now. I guess I should have thought of that. Um, well, uh, if you haven't seen Last Crusade recently, go check it out because it's <laughs> it slaps. Um, no, otherwise, yeah. I mean, you could see me do improv down at Mission Improvable in Santa Monica every once in a while. Um, yeah, but that's kind of the only public outward facing thing I'm doing right now. All right. And of course, uh, if you liked our discussion here, go check out our old show, Podcast But Evil. Uh, it is a good time. And uh, I'll do a quick bit of admin here if you want to send us feedback. Send it to at NostalgiaPod on Twitter or go find us on Instagram. And uh, I encourage you to follow us there because I'll be posting bonus stuff, uh, different reels and things for each episode every week. So go do that. Uh, so if you have thoughts on our recent episodes, which include Superman the movie, uh, Homestar Runner, and uh, gosh, what did we do before that? Adventures in Babysitting. So uh, so there's those. Coming up uh, real soon is Terminator 2 and Jurassic Park. We're going to do one on, uh, we're going to do a have you recorded? Record. Have you recorded Superman? The Superman movie yes. one? Yes. Yeah. We okay. did, we did, that was the one we just recorded. It, uh, as you're hearing this, that should be the last one that came out. Okay. So, uh, I think you'll dig it. It was a good. It was a good talk about. I want a movie. I know is also one of your all time favorites. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So yeah. A few other things coming down uh, uh, soon that I'm really excited about. That hopefully we'll uh, we'll put together for you. Oh, Rocky Four is getting recorded soon. So uh, <laughs> kind of kind of a, a bunch of bangers. Uh, real good stuff. So um, uh, so that'll do it for now. And uh, until next time, that is one more entry in the Nostalgia Arcana.
king of the Britons. Oh, don't grovel. One thing I can't stand, it's people groveling. Sorry. And don't apologize. Every time I try to talk to someone, it's sorry this and forgive me that and I'm not worthy. What are you doing now? I'm averting my eyes, O oh Lord. Well, don't. It's like those miserable psalms. They're so depressing. Now knock it off. Yes, Lord. Right. Arthur, King of the Britons, your knights of the round table shall have a task to make them an example in these dark times. Good idea, O oh Lord. Of course it's a good idea. Behold, Arthur, this is the Holy Grail. Look well, Arthur, for it is your sacred task to seek this Grail. That is your purpose, Arthur. The quest for the Holy Grail. <laughs> <laughs>